This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of Travel Is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Hi, my name is Andrea Bonaiuto, and I am the marketing manager for the Americas for Brussels Airlines and Eurowings. What I love about travel is you never know what you don't know until you're experiencing it in the moment, and travel gives you that exploration vibe every time you step into a new place. You may not think of Belgium as a top tourism destination in Europe. Just pull up their Wikipedia page and you'll see they're known for Renaissance architecture, medieval towns, and the home of NATO. Here's a scrappy airline looking to change that perception, shaking things up from VR marketing to gateside raves. This is Travel Is Your Business, covering the intersection of technology and business in the travel industry. Andrew, what do you think are the most effective um, both B2B or B2C channels for Brussels or Eurowings? Sure. Uh, There's lots of effective channels. I think it just depends on really what the motive is, what the goal and the the purpose is. Uh, For Brussels Airlines and Eurowings, it's a little bit different, uh, the B2B and the B2C. For Brussels Airlines, because we are, and Eurowings, we are on a smaller budget. And so we are very much kind of acting in this the startup style here locally in the U.S. and the Americas. Um, we really focus on narrowing that channel, that sales funnel, and really reaching the people that we know are qualified from the beginning. Not just people who are interested in traveling, but also people who are interested in traveling to Europe, to our destinations from the exact uh, points of departure that we fly from in the U.S. and beyond. And so... What that translates into is really doing a lot of focuses on uh, the Belgian community, the German community here locally, especially in New York. That's really big. And then also beyond that, uh, doing some focus events, um, working with, for example, Voyager is a great partner for us. And uh, and then really making sure that um, anyone we're partnering with is going to have that strong focus as well. Um, we really want to make sure that all of our B2C communications are around uh, either events or opportunities that are already existing. So, for example, our Tomorrowland activations, our World Cup activations with the Belgian Red Devils. We don't really like to communicate for the sake of communicating. So that's kind of a very, very broad strategy on the B2C level. On the B2B level, uh Similarly, we really fold into the Lufthansa group of communication, working with the the uh, uh, GTMCs, uh, the GDS, and um, the sorry, the global travel management companies, <laughs> the global distribution systems, and then making sure that the communication is in line with what we know the uh, the users of those platforms are going to be looking for. So what are the uh, unique selling points for each of the products? Uh, what can we really separate ourselves out uh, from the crowd in? And how are we going to communicate that best? Again, we don't have a huge budget. So we're we're really making sure that we're able to track the results, which means that ultimately we don't do a lot of broad awareness uh, advertising. It's more targeted and more trackable. Are they, um, I mean, you're, you're handling two brands here, both Brussels and Eurowings. It, you know, one, how, how is that, you know, working? <laughs> and then, you know, are there big differences you're seeing in the audience and how you're having to kind of handle them? Is there a lot of opportunity for cross- 
promotion between the two? Yeah, great question. So I've been working on Brussels Airlines for longer. I, would, I was originally hired actually for Brussels Airlines. And then when Eurowings launched in the U.S. this past year, um, I was lucky enough to be a part of that team as well. So for Brussels Airlines, for example, we have three points of uh, departure from North America. So we have Toronto, New York, and, uh, and Washington, D.C., for Eurowings, we have a lot more points of departure out of the U.S. We have about seven gateways uh, acting seasonally. And so for Eurowings, for example, we're really focusing on the key gateways. So we're doing a lot of work in Florida, both at Fort Myers and Miami. And then New York is really big. We're launching Las Vegas actually in the summertime as well. So uh, we need to be focusing on the key gateways for Eurowings a little bit more. Um in that we don't have the budget to really make our advertising as broad as maybe we would love it to be, but that's also where we make sure that we're targeting, um, you know, the the key digital segments. So the social media is a given. The uh, the always on online uh, promotion is a given um, across AdWords and and all that. And then for Brussels Airlines, we really can focus on those three gateways because we only have three gateways. Even still, our budget is stretched, but we absolutely do the best that we can uh, to make sure that we're, we're really staying relevant in the market in all three gateways because they're all super, super important for us. Um, of course, being locally here in New York, it's easier to be in touch with this community, but I'm oftentimes um, just doing that trifecta of, of Toronto, Washington, D.C., and New York. Mm-hmm. I've come to, to love and know very well. <laughs> <laughs> So you talked a lot about um, reaching that VFR customer with local kind of targeted events. How about getting people who haven't traveled to your destinations before and kind of acquiring new customers? What's your strategy there? Yeah, in terms of acquiring new customers, I am a huge fan of strategic partnerships. I think partnerships are a fantastic way to reach a new audience by aligning yourself with a brand that that customer already knows and loves. And when the partnership makes a lot of sense, then you have tons of room for growth and opportunity uh, because either your values are in line, your opportunities are in line, your customers overlap a lot. Um, So I really love exploring partnerships for the sake of uh, recruiting new customers that way. Um, for example, Tomorrowland. I know I'm going to keep going back to that one because I love it. Uh, and then the the flip side is also offering a product that allows people who wouldn't normally think about our destinations to start thinking about it. So for our point-to-point traffic, one of the big new products that we have that just launched in September actually is our Belgium stopover for Brussels Airlines. Mm. And so this allows people with a beyond Brussels destination – or sorry, beyond Belgium destination to actually take one to five days and explore – all that they want to in Belgium. And we've set it up so that uh, with the tourism boards in Belgium that a customer can, as long as they, they select a stopover, a free stopover in their itinerary, then they can select from 14 different cities up to two cities. And they get all of the activities that we offer through the tourism boards that are listed on our, on our website. They can select as many activities as they want within those two cities, explore, and uh, just get to know Belgium a little bit better and then continue on to their final destination. Yeah, that's awesome. And and how do you kind of track conversion with things like partnerships? That is a great question. It depends. It completely depends on the partnership and what we're doing together. Um, so for 
some partnerships uh, I'm actually just looking at, you know, what kind of media exposure are we getting? Um, to me, partnerships are not only about the customers, but it's about amplifying your message as as loud and as broadly as you can. And so for um, for a lot of our events that are a little bit more public facing, I want to make sure that we're always involving the media um, to expand that reach and our message as far as possible. Uh, whether it's doing an activation at the airport where we get press to come, then we're measuring what's the reach of that press and what's the coverage of it. And then, uh, you know, can we can we even stretch it farther um, in terms of the the one on one interaction with customers? That's oftentimes more of a, a personal outreach. So we're really getting a sense of how those customers are interacting with our brand, with our brand in relation to the partnership, uh, the reaction to the travel experience. And so that's a little bit more of a qualitative assessment right there. Um, so it's a balance. It's balance, and it is tricky. And it just it depends on each individual partnership. Maybe um, you know, you've mentioned Tomorrowland as a great partner for yours. Uh, could you unpack how that's looked and what you guys have done with them? Yeah, so Tomorrowland is an amazing partner. For anyone who doesn't know, Tomorrowland is the largest music festival in the world. Over two weekends, they welcome 400,000 people uh, to Belgium in, ironically, a town called Boom. <laughs> and, they uh, named the, the town after the <laughs> after the event at this point? or what? <laughs> Supposedly, the name of the town was already there. <laughs> Maybe Tomorrowland selected that town because of its name. Who knows? <laughs> Um, but the, the Brussels Airlines Tomorrowland partnership actually started in 2012, and it's since grown so much that we actually last year dedicated an entire plane to Tomorrowland. Wow. So that plane is named Amare, and the entire exterior of the plane is is painted in this beautiful Tomorrowland colorful eagle print, and the entire interior of the aircraft is actually outfitted with a superior sound system and your Tomorrowland decals and all those little touches that make it feel extra special. And so that partnership um, really evolved out of uh, the ability to bring passengers to Tomorrowland and create a seamless customer journey experience. So not only does the Tomorrowland experience start from uh, you know, the moment you walk into the festival, but it's the moment that you get to the airport. How, how far back can we extend that, that customer journey? And so that's what we've been trying to do with this partnership. And so locally in the U.S., we've been lucky enough to um, have some really fun activations out of both New York and Washington, D.C., and working with a great partner, United. And uh, we have all of our United flights feeding our specific Tomorrowland flights that are going from Washington, D.C. and New York. Last year we flew about 200 from Washington, another 200 from New York. And we offer some fun things for these guests because we want to create that customer journey. So um, we have these these uh, gate parties and then we have party flights. So last year, we actually had, I have to look at my notes, we had 240 flights overall transporting over 11,000 passengers to wow. Tomorrowland. <laughs> and out of these, um, yeah, it was pretty crazy. <laughs> um, 83 airports were involved, and there were 55 party flights, which means the flight was entirely full of Tomorrowland passengers. We will not ever have a party flight unless all the passengers are going to Tomorrowland. That would be a terrible thing. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, I'm just trying to get to Brussels, man. Like I'm just trying to go boom. You know, I didn't know Tomorrowland was going on. 
Um, yeah, exactly. So, actually, nine of these party flights included a live DJ on board. So, the sound wow, system awesome. it gets installed and the lights and the light sticks and the, the um, even the food menu is different. And we have a live DJ at 30,000 feet, which is totally insane. Uh, but that's what we love to do, the impossible. <laughs> okay, so I have to ask a technical airline question here. Please. Because <laughs> in my old role at JetBlue, we looked at doing something similar. And we were trying to like get a disco ball onto the plane and all these sorts of things. But you can't certify it. Right. So like, how are you able to get, I don't even know the name of, of DJ equipment, tables? Sorry, but tables, like turntables, turntables, like, all, like the, all this kind of thing. Yeah. Sure. How do you get this on the plane and certified? Great question. And full disclosure, I was not in the DJ world space, <laughs> nothing until I started working in this Tomorrowland atmosphere. Now I love it. Now I'm quasi obsessed with it. But um, but yeah, those are all great questions, and I had no idea either how that was all happening. But a lot of DJs these these days use uh, computers as well. And so really it's, you know, the experience has to be adapted to fit airline regulations and safety protocols and everything. So we do abide by all those rules. Don't get me wrong. But um, basically um, what happens is the DJ is is on board and, you know, the flight take, you goes through the same safety protocols, probably with a little bit of a, of a Tomorrowland pizzazz to it. And then at one point when the pilot says that it's okay, you know, the DJ setup is right there and they can get up and start kind of starting the music party. And everyone is still required to wear their seatbelts and everything, but you can <laughs> see we've got some videos online. It's just a, it's a great time. The lights are off and everyone's got their glow sticks and the music's going. And whether you're dancing in your seat or maybe even dancing down the aisle on your way to the restroom. <laughs> um, it's a, it's a really great time. And, and so I, that's kind of the broad answer to it. The, the very detailed answer is that I actually don't know exactly yet because so far in the U S we've only been able to host gate parties, which is where we basically transform the entire gate of the, um, of the, the boarding area into a festival experience. So last year at Dulles, um, Washington, D.C., we covered, you know, 200 square feet of fake grass. We had these flower wow. arches and floor-to-ceiling wall decals and, and two DJs and a live broadcast and all this fun stuff. But I'm really, really aching for that party flight. <laughs> I want that party flight so badly. And we'll only get that if we have a full flight, which on our long-haul operations is harder because we have so many more seats to fill. Right. This is the year. This is the year, people. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. So anyone who's listening who wants to go to Tomorrowland, too, make sure you get your tickets on the Global Journey Package. Shameless plug. (laughs) Um, But I will find out this year. I'll let you know from a technical standpoint because I will be full, full in that that zone. I'd be curious, you know, if there are limitations, like you're saying, to get something certified on the plane, what are the other limitations that you're coming up against as as a marketer for... An airline is, you know, from when does it become somebody else's responsibility from in-flight entertainment to like airport relationships? Uh, what kind of uh, lanes do you have to stay in? Also a great question. So I'm going to sound like my old MBA professors, but it depends. <laughs> it depends. It depends. <laughs> Uh, if we're doing an airport activation, then obviously we have to work with the airports and we have to make sure that we're staying within, first and foremost, always safety protocols and regulations, um, which it completely depends on the airports. 
And the security measures depends on the airports as well. JFK works completely differently than IAD, works completely differently than uh, YYZ, uh, works differently than than Fort Myers, than Miami. So it's it's always a, a bit of a process. You're always going to get to know the um, the new, you know, not new, but the the people who are running the show at the airports as well. How do they work? And so, yeah, we do have a, a number of of limitations that we run into. Maybe an airport doesn't want to have any sound at all, so we have to figure out how to do that. Are we going to have a silent disco maybe instead? Are we going to make sure that we are closing off the area somehow? Um, but for me, foremost is making sure that I'm building the relationships with these different uh, communities and the whether it's the airports or the media publications or whatever because I think that when you build deeper relationships with these people you get to know a little bit better the operations how they work what works well for them and then you start to find a lot of synergies that might make sense for greater opportunities that weren't as um, obvious before um, so that's on the airport side anything else that we work with um, yeah in terms of digital promotion there's a big limitation in terms of what we're communicating and how we're communicating it. So one of the regulations in the U.S. is that in order to promote a price, uh, and don't quote me on all the technical details, but um, from what I know, you have to be able to sh- to prove that there is at least 11% inventory of that price that you're promoting at any given time. And if you do not have dynamic bannering, which is connecting straight back to your inventory, um, to make sure that that price is accurate and you have a static ad instead that is promoting a price, you can get into some really big trouble because 11% of that inventory might not reflect the same price. And so we have to make sure that you know we're, we're staying within the realm of, of literally the laws of what we can promote and how we promote it. Um, and then also, of course, in this day and age is D- GDPR. So making sure that we're protecting the identities and the the information of our guests and our entire communities. And so that's been a lot of transition and process and learning. And But that's the evolution of the travel industry, and that's why it's yeah. fun. <laughs> well, on a, on a more fun topic, I think you have something for us, too. <laughs> not that that's not fun, but we don't want to be limited. I want to, like, explore this food is basically what I want to say. <laughs> I know we, we it seems when there's when there's snacks around I'm always hungry for some reason. I don't know how that happens. Um, so I I recently actually with Brussels Airlines I went to Uganda. I was lucky enough to go for work actually escorting a, a fam trip, which is a familiarization trip with a bunch of travel agents and awesome people. And uh, I brought back a whole bunch of Amarula, uh, wow. which is a liqueur. It's a cream liqueur. And I love it because it also has an elephant on it. It's from the the Marula fruit. Um, so I was so stoked to bring a bunch of these bottles back. And then as I was coming back, someone said to me, you know you can get those in the U.S., right? <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Did you already have like a suitcase full of them? Suitcase. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. But it was very representative of kind of our experience, not only because the, the Belgitude way is kind of to uh, – to always be sharing a drink and, and getting to know one, a, one another. We love our beers, as, as you know. I'm, I'm fake Belgian. I'm not actually Belgian, but I, I love everything about <laughs> the Belgian <laughs> culture. 
So every night in Uganda, we'd kind of sit around and have a glass of Amarula and chat and get to know one another, which was one of the best experiences to um, to get to know each other culturally too. So that, and then of course, bring a little New York vibe is uh, some donuts because why the hell not? So, <laughs> <laughs> everyone's got a sweet tooth in the morning, right? Um, maybe that's just me. Let's wash it down with cream liqueur. Yeah. I know I sound like a crazy person. Um, <laughs> let's take it. Yeah, let's do it. The yeah, second let's do half it. of this podcast will be a little different. After yeah. <laughs> Coming up, you'll hear about customer loyalty, how and what Brussels Airlines is promoting, and what the deal is with airline food. Hey everybody, this is Vikram Iyer with the American Enough Podcast and just wanted to thank all of you for listening and tuning in week after week and this has been an incredible journey and examination of who America really is against the the headwinds of our modern times. If you are interested in the perspectives of mayors and how the identity of their cities is changing America's fabric or how our foreign policy is changing the way that CIA agents do their business or even how those brave enough to come forward and and stake a claim in the Time's Up or the Me Too movement, how their identities have have been changed by speaking out so publicly, Uh, or even if you're just interested in how Netflix documentarians are viewing the world and using satire and entertainment to cope with our current times, there is something for everybody across this channel, and uh, we hope that you continue to subscribe and like wherever you pod. American Enough can be found on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play. Um, and if you have any feedback or would like to, or have any ideas for more great shows, keep spreading the word. This is not over anytime soon. Keep up with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B I Z Show. Our episodes are available on iTunes and Google Play and online at travelisyourbusiness.com. Plus, there are a lot more great shows on Mouth Media Network. Take a trip to mouthmedianetwork.com to enjoy them all. And remember, we love fan mail. Drop us a note to say hi, suggest a guest, or if you'd like to become a sponsor on the show, email us at travelbizshow at mouthmedianetwork.com. So I can imagine with your route map, your customers might not be flying Brussels once a month, right? So how do you keep it top of mind and how do you keep those customers loyal and coming back when they might not necessarily be interacting with the, with your brand on a regular basis? Absolutely. So to me, there's two sides of the equation here. It's what creates a loyal customer and then what keeps a a customer loyal. So what creates a loyal customer starts with the most basic of basic, which is the the purpose of an airline in the first place is to bring you from point A to point B in a safe, reliable uh, manner. And so how we create our loyal customers in the first place for me starts with making sure that we are showing up first on those search results. We have the most convenient flights that are at great times that make sense for the customer um, that are also at a price point that the customer uh, is okay with. And once we get to that point, the next level up for me is making sure that we are actually matching the promises that we are giving to the customer, which is, do we have an on-time departure? Do we have an on-time arrival? Does the customer have a great experience throughout their whole flight? 
And that experience portion is really where we get into how we start to create the loyal customers and how we keep those loyal customers. Uh, we keep the loyal customers by maintaining our our consistency um, in that that positive customer experience. What goes into that customer experience is a crazy world. So everything from uh, from the online check in, how is your experience using our app, let's say, or any other platform that you're using to check in online, select your seat, uh, maybe pick up some extras like you want some legroom or even upgrade to our business class, uh, to how are you checking in your luggage, to what is the boarding process like, to what is the the seat experience like, um, to you know what kind of food are you eating. So we really make sure that we're taking all those those uh, those things into account, um, and then on the other side too, which is really in terms of making sure that you're having a great experience off the plane as as well as much as we can, of course, um, and introducing you to our the wonderful country of Belgium. As I noted, the the Belgium stopover, and we're really trying to create that that wonderful customer experience that lasts longer than just the time that you're on the plane itself. So through all of those metrics, I feel like you have a recipe for both creating a loyal customer and maintaining that loyal customer. It's um, it's like an old adage, right? That you can be, you can't be fast, cheap, and high quality all at once, right? Yeah. Um. So, you met you mentioned an example, which is like airline food. As everyone says, what's the deal with airline food, right? What you made is this consistency of fast and affordable, getting you to where you need to go, and a consistent journey through that. How do you? What is the deal with airline food? Why does it have that connotation and you know, how do you break that consistency? There's so many deals with airline food. Airline food is actually a fascinating topic in itself. Okay, let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the amazing thing about airline food is the fact that you're you're eating at 30,000 feet. You're eating in a flying metal object <laughs> that's is, you're soaring through the sky, having this supposedly enjoyable culinary experience at the same time. Those things don't always connect together very well. Um, but what Brussels Airlines does try to do is really make sure that those two things do connect together very well. So um, one of the fascinating aspects of food is that at 30,000 feet, your taste buds change. And so when your taste buds change, the food has to change as well. So it tastes just as good as it would on the ground. Uh, one of the things that's often done with food in the air with airlines is that you you add more sodium. That's, that's another reason why everyone's supposed to drink tons of water on board, which I highly recommend because all aspects of, of the flight process – in reality, do dehydrate you. So it's just a fact of life. Really, like so, how do taste buds change exactly? It's because of the dehydration and, and altitude. Is that what's going on? Yeah, your your taste buds essentially become less sensitive. Okay. So you're trying to heighten all of those those the the food characteristics um, because the the regular food on the ground will taste a little bit more bland in the air. So it's it's actually a very interesting process. I was lucky enough to to attend one of the culinary tastings for our onboard product. Uh, my first week of work, my boss said, hey, go to this thing at JFK. And I nice. had no idea what I was doing or where I was going or what I was supposed to say. Um, it was kind of a fly in the wall. But it was, it was a really, really interesting experience because not only are we looking at the quality of the food – and our chefs are extremely picky. We work with an amazing supplier here, LSG, which creates a lot of our um, our 
menus in the economy class and economy privilege. And then uh, business class is a whole other animal. But um, but we are also looking at, like you said, the the affordability behind it, the cost of the meals itself. So what what actually happens? What's the implication when you take away two nuts? What's the implication when you uh, split a scallop in half instead of having two whole scallops? What is the weight uh, change for the entire aircraft as a whole? What's the cost change? How does that affect the palate? And, and how many grams, literally how many grams are we feeding our passengers? So it's, a, it's actually a, a very technical process um, that has a lot of different dimensions, both on the operations and the customer experience as a whole. Um, our business class actually has an incredible menu. We partner with Michelin star chefs in Belgium to create our business class menu every year. This year we have an incredible chef, Stephanie Thenas, and she is from uh, from a rural area in Belgium. And so she has created seasonal menus for our business class. We have award-winning wines on board. We have all the, the amazing Belgian beers that you can imagine. Triple Caramelite is my favorite. Um, but we also have um, all the standards and more so you can try anything that you want. Um, on this last menu, we even had a – she programmed in lobster as the appetizer on our business class. So <laughs> how often do you get that in an airline? <laughs> um, so we're very proud, actually, of, of the culinary offerings that we can we can give to our, our passengers to help create a better experience. But overall, it's a tricky topic. It's tricky for airlines. Hmm. So what kind of feedback do you get from customers in general, and how does that affect your marketing and your product strategy? And how do you even get that feedback? I'm actually really curious. Do you, like, go through your social channels? Do customers email you guys? And then how do you respond? Well, of course, we want to take feedback from all angles as much as we can. Personally, for me, uh, the the best feedback that I can get is from more of a qualitative standpoint. So really talking to our customers at all of the events that we do, um, I make sure that uh, I'm at every event that I can possibly go to for uh, for Brussels Airlines and Eurowings, representing both the companies and just being able to interact with the customers to say, what are you looking for? Are we meeting your needs? How are we not? Um I end up playing travel agent sometimes by doing that, but that's okay. <laughs> um, and then overall for the company, we have what's called a net promoter score, and that is where our customers can really dial in uh, uh, qu- um, quantitatively. And so we're looking at that all the time as well. We get almost weekly reports from our company saying where our net promoter score is uh, and which aspects are falling or increasing in that promoter score. And then we have our, our KPIs behind that, a base mark. And um, so always keeping that very top of mind. It's our home screen too when we log into our internal portal as well as what's our what's our net promoter score this week. Um, and so we're, we're keeping that very top of mind because we know that our, our customers have a choice. And so anytime someone flies Brussels Airlines, it's a privilege to have them on board. And we want to make sure that we're, we're uh, meeting their expectations and hopefully exceeding. So, um, you know, it sounds like you guys are, are iterating on a bunch of stuff with Eurowings. You're kind of uh, – you've, you've got a, a nice science behind Brussels Airlines. Um, what are some things that are exciting for you in the future that you're working on? I know Lufthansa Group is, as a whole has, has generally been very innovative. So are there any things that you guys are looking at or exploring or, or you know, kind of testing out right now? So much. So <laughs> okay. much. We have so much awesomeness going on right now. Both at so many levels, the Brussels Airlines level, the Eurowings level, the Lufthansa Group level. Um, 
So I'll, I'll break it down into two categories. It's what we're promoting and how we're promoting it. So how we're promoting what we're promoting is an easier one. That's constantly changing with the, the digital age of, of advertising and connecting with our customers, whether it be on a new platform, if we're able to, to engage with our customers in a different way on an app, let's say, um, versus in person. So one of the tools that I've been using more regularly now at a lot of our events is our virtual reality. And it's an opportunity for, uh, for, for anyone to explore what the inside of our cabin is like, some interaction with uh, some, you know, uh, some flight attendants through the virtual reality. Um, and we've had a great reaction. It's kind of a fun experience for people to, to pretend to sit in our seat and, and, uh, and live it up for, for a minute. And uh, without a doubt, everyone goes to business class first. Um, <laughs> makes sense. Completely understandable. No, I want to be way in the back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> By the restrooms, right? <laughs> um, so that's one of the fun ways that we are engaging with our customers uh, on a level that's both fun, interactive, and gives them a better sense of what our product is actually like. In terms of what we're promoting, we have so many things going on. So as I mentioned, Eurowings is is launching new destinations every every year. It seems every month almost, we're actually launching Newark um, December 1. So we're very excited about that. And uh, and then for Brussels Airlines too, we have a brand new product coming out in uh, in the new year. And by product, I mean our the interior of our cabin. So we have a brand new business oh, class, wow. brand new premium economy, and a brand new economy. Wow. Is it a retrofit or a new aircraft? It's a retrofit. Okay. But the whole thing is being stripped. And wow. so we have new seats, uh, new everything. We even will have a, a bar in the business class area, which is super fun. And uh, and so we're super excited about promoting that. It's all around the concept of of a boutique hotel experience. So really emphasizing that relaxation because we know that when we go from uh, from the U.S. to Belgium, uh, it's overnight. So you want to be able to sleep a little bit, and then you're hopping forward six hours. So getting that rest is essential. And uh, and then the other thing that I mentioned already is the Belgium stopover. And so that is the opportunity for any guest going to Europe, going beyond, wherever you're going, there is no excuse. You can stop in Belgium first. <laughs> <laughs> take one day, take two days. Um, a really key market for us there has been the Bleasure market. So there's a lot of business going to Belgium. Uh, and so we want to make sure that we're capturing that attention too and saying, we know your vacation time is limited and we know you're on the go, but but take a second, explore, uh, have a waffle, have a have a beer and just just relax <laughs> for a minute there. Um, yeah, so much. I could go on for days. Coming up, you'll hear what makes Andrea tick. Voted the best program on the planet, Funny People Talking, with Mark and Danielle. Of course, there were only two votes. Connect with the show at funnypeopletalking.com. And please, for the love of all that is holy, subscribe to the show and leave us a damn review and a really, really good rating on iTunes. Pretty please? Thank you. Oh, the beaten time. So as a fellow Av geek, I'm really interested to hear what your path was to, to starting to work for Brussels. Did you 
want to specifically get into aviation or were you in another field that led you there? I was not even close to aviation. I was an avid traveler. I I, uh, I went to school in Boston, where I'm from, and I studied abroad in uh, in Quito, Ecuador, and which I think I saw that you were interested in traveling. Oh to, yeah. Right, yes, yeah. yeah. It's a it's a Reading great time. JetBlue Ventures website. I love that. Yes, <laughs> doing mass research. Um, and so I had a lot of experiences early on with international travel. Actually, in high school, that's what really gave me the travel bug in the first place. I was able to go on this trip to South Africa for a month. Uh, with some some schoolmates through an organized program, and it just it just hit me. I was like, I gotta I gotta keep doing this. So after college, I moved to Panama because I was honestly very tired of the Boston winters. Um, needed a little I sun in my you. life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> um, <clears throat> my parents once again thought I was crazy, but like it's okay. We'll be fine. Um, and so I was able to work in a number of different capacities there, um, mostly in arts production, but also in business development. Ended up with a job in Brooklyn working for an awesome startup and uh, learned a lot from that experience in sales and marketing. Um, ended up in grad school focusing on entrepreneurship. So I've always loved being close to the startup space. And then uh, in grad school, I met... Uh, I met a very good friend, Bika, who is the managing director of the Belgian-American Chamber of Commerce, and she introduced me to Brussels Airlines in the first place. I actually was uh, – I already had a job that I was about to move to Miami for in insurance, and I, it's, I think it's safe to say I dodged a bullet there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for anybody insurance. Yes, I'm focused sure insurance on, is great. Is listening to this. It's so stable. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this was a, a little bit of a better fit for me. And, uh, and, and after just a little bit of persuasion, um, about moving back to New York, um, of course, love the city, but also Miami's great and warm. Um, I, I was, I was absolutely sold. I, uh, and I was very lucky enough to, um, to actually not be a Belgian because they were looking for something a little bit more out of the box. And, and, um, I guess I, was able to capture that that vibe. <laughs> and so it's been it's been quite the journey working in the aviation space. I think at its core, both marketing and sales have, you know, a lot of consistency across industries, just in the way that you work and uh, what it takes to really make things happen. Just a lot of drive in general, figuring it out. Um, and then my startup experience has has really helped me just say, well, screw it. I'm just going to do it and see what happens and, and hope all goes well and figure it out. So we celebrate the successes and the failures. And uh, fortunately, the aviation industry has been forgiving enough to uh, allow me to keep going. It's <laughs> awesome. So you've, you've traveled quite a bit at this point. You've gone to a, different, a few different places. Uh, you mentioned Uganda and Panama. And is there any place that you've gone that felt like it could be a second home? And why? Great question. And why? To be honest, I freaking love New York City. I love it so much. I love the fact that I can step outside my door and every day is going to be a new journey and a new adventure. And I'm going to explore and find all these nooks and crannies that I had no idea existed the day before. 
Um, I love New York. And right now it's my home and uh, I'm happy to be here. Every time I fly back to Boston, I have this feeling of like, oh, it's my home. Yay. But I get back here too and I just love it. So to be honest, I, I can't really see myself living anywhere else unless I had a great opportunity and um, and it worked out that way. Um, I love it here. That being said, obviously travel is a huge part of my life and I love being on the road as well, uh, fortunately. Um, but yeah, New York, man, the Big yeah, Apple. Yeah, quite like it, right? Yeah, Just got to suffer that cold still. Yeah. Still there. It's I know. still there. I've got bigger jackets this year. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you again for coming on the the show today. Is there um is there any way that somebody could get in touch with the work you're doing at Brussels or Eurowings? What would be the easiest way to do that? Absolutely, get in touch anytime. So my email is my first name dot last name, and I'll spell it for you. It's a mouthful. It's Andrea A N D R E A dot Boniuto, which is B as in boy O N A I U T O at brusselsairlines.com b-r-u-s-s-e-l-s a-i-r-l-i-n-e-s dot com well done thank you <laughs> check for the spelling um, and feel free to get in touch anytime I'm always happy to chat and I uh, love aviation geeking out too so <laughs> love that best thank you is there a final thought that you'd like to share just so it could be a reflection on what we just talked about um, your experiences at Brussels or just more generally Final thought, generally speaking, mm, goodness gracious, I I don't know. I'm very happy. I'm happy what I'm doing. I'm happy to have the opportunity to meet tons of amazing people every day and see incredible places. And I would encourage everyone to make sure that whatever your situation is, that you can enjoy the same thing um, in any aspect that you think is most enjoyable, whether it's having your strict routine every day that makes you the happiest person in the world or having no routine at all. Um, I've learned that making sure you keep your values close and and keep your, you know, whatever keeps you ticking, makes you happy is, um, is really key. So um, I'm very thankful and grateful to be here with, with some amazing people. And so thank you guys so much for hosting and, uh, and, and, Bon voyage. Oh, wait, I just took your line. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. You can use it. That's fine. Up and it's, onward. It's, it's, it's up and onward. What's the buzz light you're saying? Oh, to infinity uh, and, and beyond. <laughs> to all. Awesome. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us. This Thank you. Thanks. My co host, Beth Chapman. Happy trails. I'm John Matson. Uh, bon voyage. This has been Travel Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show, or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at travelisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, travelisyourbusiness.com. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.